Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books when there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, that we're at this point in Ecclesiastes where we can see the conclusion. And I do pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn from it how to not waste our lives here under the sun. Though it is fleeting, Lord, we pray that you would bless us now in your name and for your glory. Amen. Solomon, in many ways, returns to the beginning of his discourse in Ecclesiastes. What he says in verse 8 of chapter 12, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity, is something he said before in verse 2 of chapter 1. He said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And what Ecclesiastes has shown us 
is the vanity of life. And when Ecclesiastes says vanity, remember what the word is. It's, it's a vapor. It's something that's fleeting, something that's there for a moment and then gone. And so all the meaninglessness of life is because it doesn't last. Nothing under the sun lasts. And Solomon throughout Ecclesiastes has tried to show us how everything that we try to give meaning or to make last here under the sun doesn't work. He himself tried many things. He tried to gain a lot of knowledge. And we know that Solomon was the most wise king that ever lived. He asked God for the gift of wisdom. And yet Solomon says that wisdom has not taken away from the vanity because he is going to die. And in fact, the more that you know about the world, the more you know about its vanity. He has tried self-indulgence of all kinds. He's tried entertainment. He's tried marrying hundreds of women. He's tried to live wisely and in a disciplined way. And he's found that that is just vanity. He's tried to toil well. And he's found that that is just vanity. He's tried to eat and drink. And he's found that that is all vanity. Nothing adds a moment to his life. It will end. He will return to the dust from whence he came. From there, he went on in Ecclesiastes to show us how life is a series of cycles, especially in the poem at the beginning of chapter 3. There's a time for everything. For everything, there is a season. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to... Seek a time to lose, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace, etc. And life just repeats itself. All that was will be again. All that is will be again. Life is the series of cycles. And yet, what he strove to show us in all of this was that God is in control. God is sovereign. God is making everything beautiful in his time. And so though we see things just repeating themselves, spring repeats itself every year, summer every year, and the seasons are always in the same order, and yet somehow God is at work and in control of all those things. And he showed us that in order to have joy in this life, we need to acknowledge and submit and trust in God's sovereignty. And then he strove to show us how wisdom is better than folly, and go, went through a whole lot of examples of how living a life with wisdom is better than living a life of folly, even though our lives are vanity. Always repeating that everything is vanity, so we should just enjoy it while it lasts. And so we come then to this last section where he speaks to the youth, speaking as a father to a son. And he covers life from youth up until death. And what he really is addressing in this final section is how to not waste our lives under the sun. How to use it. How to make it worthwhile, even though it is fleeting, even though it lasts for a small time. 
even though we will die and all that and we will leave no legacy behind ultimately and so he shows us this in a few ways a few ways that we cannot waste our life and the first is in verses 7 and 8 and that is by realizing that life is short or by rejoicing in our vain lives Look at verse 7 of chapter 11. Light is sweet, it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. The days of light are fleeting. The days of darkness are fleeting. The days of light he's referring to are the, the sweet days of life, the good days, or the days when you're young and you can still see the light and have your 20-20 vision. But then when old age comes, it's the days of darkness, and you're old for a long time. The days of darkness will be many, and with that old age comes blindness. And as we'll see in the beginning of chapter 12, a whole lot of calamities in your life as you get older, becomes more and more difficult. And what Solomon says here is that it is all vanity. All that comes is vanity, the light and the dark. Life is short, it is fleeting, the good days and the bad days. Life is short, and the good days are shorter. So rejoice while you have a chance. Dark days are always coming under the sun. And so the first way that we can make sure that we don't waste our lives is by realizing how short it is, that it is vanity, that it is vapor, that it isn't going to last very long. Remember how short your life is and rejoice while you have light days. The second way that he turns to is by remembering that God will judge us. Look at verse 9. We can make sure we don't waste our lives by remembering that God will judge us. Again, he says that we must rejoice. Look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things... God will bring you into judgment. I'm fairly young. I think most of us here today are fairly young. And we're being told to rejoice in the days of our youth. We don't really know dark days as young people. We'll know them when we get there, when we're old and decrepit when we can't see the way we used to, we can't think the way we used to, we can't move the way we used to. And so we need to know that that is coming, that our old age is coming. And rejoice while we're still young and can enjoy the strength of our youth. And Solomon says here, we need to let our hearts cheer us and walk in the ways of our heart. What he's saying is that while we're still young, we have this ability to be cheerful and to overcome things. 
And that we're to walk in those ways. We're to enjoy our youth. But too many youth take that too far. And they enjoy all kinds of perversions and so forth. In university, I know my friends would do all kinds of things from doing mushrooms and getting drunk on the weekends and playing games that one should not play and talking about all kinds of filth. They're enjoying life. They're just having a good time. But what the youth need to remember, what we need to remember while we enjoy our youth is that whatever we do, whatever we set our eyes on, we will be judged for all these things by God. Too many youth do not know this, do not realize this, do not acknowledge this. They block it out. There's no God that's going to judge me. I can do whatever I want. I can be invincible. But we will all be judged. So do what makes you happy. But remember that you'll be judged. Enjoy your youth. But know that you will be judged for all that you do. Have ambition. Have big dreams. Go for stuff. But remember that you will be judged for all that you do. Thirdly, Solomon shows us that we should not waste our life by using our strength, the strength of our youth, while we still have it. By actually using it. Look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Again, Something is vain. We won't be young forever. We won't have strength forever. We won't have hearts that are cheerful forever. And so we should not waste it. We need to remember that the season of life, our youth, is not going to last forever. And live in light of that. And so he says that we should remove vexation from our heart. Vexation, anything that perturbs us, whether it's some sort of anxiety or if we're prone to anger, those sorts of things we are to remove from our hearts, especially while we're young. And the reason for that is that the dark days are going to come, but we don't need to make them come. We don't need to let it, awaken it before it's time. While we're still young and we have the strength, this natural strength from our youth, we should keep it. As long as we can, while remembering that it will not last forever. Darkness will come. We don't need to bring it about. These days, it's not really the case for youth or the young. Teenagers, young adults, right? Your, your Gen Zers and your millennials. What's their main problem today is depression. Everyone's depressed. Everyone's sad. No one's removing vexations from their heart. They're acting like they're old before they are. They're wasting 
their time as young people. And why is that? What's missing there? It really is, there's no sense of purpose. Everybody that is young and born these days, they're, they're told that they're special and unique and they're going to find some great way to impact the world. And they're looking for that. They're thinking also that that thing that's going to be big and impact the world is going to be something unique about me that's also going to make, make me very happy when I do it. I'm going to get a job or have a career that's going to make me really happy and it's going to impact the world and it's going to be so fulfilling. And that's what we're all looking for. That's what we're told to look for. We're told to look for this thing that's going to spark joy. You've heard that expression in our lives. And somehow, and we all have this special thing that makes us so happy that's going to impact the world in such a big way. And so since we're all told to look for that thing, and none of us can actually find it, we become incredibly depressed. We feel that our lives are meaningless. And so we look where Solomon looked in all these different ways to make us happy, to drown that out, because we have no sense of purpose. So how do we remove vexation from our heart? How do we put away that kind of pain from ourselves? Well, it's by knowing what our purpose actually is, by submitting to God's sovereignty, that what happens in life is not in our control, that we are not special, that we are in God's hands and we should be wanting to carry out his work. And as we'll see, we need to be fearing God and keeping his commandments. That is our duty. That is our purpose on this earth. And it's interesting that he says this right after speaking about how youth are to walk in the ways of their heart and to go do these things and fulfill their desires. But do you see what he's doing? He's saying that, yes, we all do have desires and we do tend to have something that we particularly enjoy. But what we need to do with that is our duty towards God. It's not to say that we need to squash all of our dreams and our hopes and our big plans in life, but rather we are to see how that should fit in within God's world. We should know that we're going to be judged for everything we do, and so not just avoid the bad stuff, but use, use our ambition and our youth for good. Use our energy and our strength and the things that God has given us a desire for, for his kingdom. And we'll see that as we come to the end of chapter 12. So we need to remember that our youth is going to run out and not waste it on vexations, depression, on anger, on our own purposes. Next, fourthly, we can not waste our lives by remembering our creator before we grow old and die. That's in chapter 12. Verse 1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. While we are here under the sun, we need to realize that there is someone above the sun. 
someone who created the sun and everything under it, created us. We need to remember our creator. This is the person from whom we should get our purpose and not the things that he created. We need to go to the creator himself. So while we have strength to live, while we are still in the days of our youth, we need to live like it. We need to remember him in the days of our youth while we still have that drive and that cheerfulness because it will get harder as we get older. And Solomon goes to great pains in the next seven verses of chapter 12 to show us how our lives are going to get difficult as we get older. He uses a lot of metaphors for growing old and dying. And since many of us are young here and we have no idea what many of these things are like, we need to pay attention and listen closely and know that this is coming and coming sooner than we think. So we should not spend another day wasting our lives. Look at these calamities of old age. First, at the end of chapter 1, we're going to say there are these days we have no pleasure in them. Days become less pleasurable as our senses become more dull. It's more difficult to enjoy the things that we used to. Then in verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, these things that were great marvels of God's creation are going to become more dimly lit in our eyes as we grow old. We'll become accustomed to them and used to them, lose some wonder. Our eyes will begin to fail us. We won't be able to see them as well. And the clouds return after rain. Clouds come and it rains and the rain stops and the clouds come back again. Once you become old, you start to have ailment after ailment and issue after issue and this part of my body fails and that part fails And on you go. Verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, there is a fear that grows inside you. You start to lose your strength. And that starts to happen sooner than you expect. And the grinders cease because they are few. You lose your teeth. As you grow older, you start to lose your teeth. You you can't chew your food as well. Maybe your food doesn't taste as good. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. Your eyes become blind. You start to lose your sight. Verse 4. And the doors on the street are shut when the grinding is low. The doors are shut. You don't go out as much. You can't really go out on as many adventures as you could when you were a youth. And one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. You wake up at the smallest sound, but you can't hear your favorite music. You don't have as much sleep as you do when you were a youth. And I'm sure we all love our sleep here. And as you get older, I'm sure you know, those, as, as you get older, you just sleep less. And you don't sleep as deeply. And you have to get a hearing aid. Verse 5. 
They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. Again, we see fear and a fragility that creeps in. You're not as strong as you were to ward off things that are scary that come your way. You need more protection. The almond tree blossoms. Have you ever seen an almond tree blossom? It's white. The blossoms are white. You get gray hair, white hair, as you grow older. The grasshopper drags itself along. You're dragging yourself along. It's a weakness and lack of drive and ambition that you have when you're young. Desire fails. Certain, certainly less ambition as you grow older, but also impotence happens as you grow older and sexual drive stops. And why does all of this happen? The second part of verse 5, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about in the streets. You're on your way to death. He goes with some more metaphors. Verse 6, before the silver cord is snapped. That's probably meaning before your body and your soul are separated in death. Separated until the resurrection one day. Or the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain. Or the wheel broken at the cistern. These things that hold your life, hold your water are broken. There's nothing to carry you sustenance anymore. As you grow older, these things break. You're dying. You're dead. In verse 7, the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. We're going to go back and meet our maker. So let's meet him while we're still young. It's going to happen anyway. And it's better if we remember him while we're young. All of these things are going to happen. Maybe not all of them to everyone. Maybe not all of us will lose our hearing. Maybe not all of us will lose our teeth or lose our eyesight or our sense of adventure or our ambitions in life. But we are all going to become more fragile in certain ways as we grow old. And being able to carry out our duty for God... Keeping his commandments becomes more difficult as we lose our strength. Doing things for his kingdom becomes more difficult as we grow older. We have more obstacles in the way, internally and externally. The days are dark. That's coming for all of us and it's going to come sooner than you think. You're going to be sitting one day when you're 60 years old and you can't move like you used to. And you're going to think to yourself, I wasted it. I wasted my youth. And I don't want that for any of us. Solomon doesn't want that for any of us. Remember your creator now. Start to live according to the wisdom that Solomon gives us in Ecclesiastes now. Acknowledge God's sovereignty now. Trust in him now. Before you waste your life. Then verse 8, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity, returning 
to the beginning of Ecclesiastes. Solomon's trying to show us here, to remind us that all life from our youth until our death is vanity and fleeting. And so, as many of us are young here, we should not waste our youth. But for those of us who are older and perhaps beginning to experience some of these things, know also that that is vanity. That it's not going to last forever. Your, your, your failing faculties are not going to last forever. It is going to come to an end. And if you have trusted in your creator, if you have remembered him, then the best is yet to come. Our lives are to have a sense of urgency about them. We should not waste it. Well, next, and the last part showing us how not to waste our lives before he gives us the instruction at the end in verses 9 to 12 is by heeding God's wisdom. By heeding God's wisdom, we can ensure that we do not waste our lives. Look at verses 9 and 10. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. He's arranging these proverbs with great care because he wants to make sure that he only gives us God's wisdom. And he says later on that he, in, in, in the next verse, he's giving us wisdom from one shepherd and to beware of anything beyond those. He arranges these proverbs. Ecclesiastes has been arranged for us with great care. He's wanted them to be words of delight and words of truth. We've looked in Ecclesiastes how Solomon has told us over and over to enjoy life, enjoy the work of our hands, do what our hands find to do, to eat and drink, and enjoy the blessings of God. Wisdom leads to joy. Wise words are words of delight. The truth, words of truth, are words of delight for the believer in God. We value what is true. Ultimately, knowing the truth and living in light of it is what brings us joy in our lives. And it's what shows us what our real duty in life is, how to not waste our lives. Look at verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. God's words, his wisdom, his truth ought to goad us towards something. You know what a goad would have been a special um, device used to hit types of cattle and things to get them to go. These days we have cattle prods that are... Have you ever been shocked by a cattle prod? I have been. I was... I I used to work at a game farm um, a few years ago. And I was driving a quad bike, <clears throat> and I had to go speak to the maintenance manager of this game farm. And I drove the quad bike back to the station there, and he had this cattle prod out, and I'm not sure why. And I discussed with him whatever it was that I needed to discuss. And he asked me if I've ever felt one of these. And I was like, no, no thank you. And uh, 
I was sitting on the quad bike and he went for it and he did it on my side here and I drove off and I'll tell you what, that goaded me. It got me going wherever away from there. Um, but that's how God's words, that's what God's words, his wisdom, what we see in the scriptures, particularly in Ecclesiastes here, is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to get us going somewhere. It's supposed to get us to do something. And we're going to see, of course, that that is to fear God and keep his commandments. And so as we see God's wisdom about how all of life is vanity, our lives are fleeting, that needs to make you go and obey God's commandments now while you're young. They're like nails firmly fixed. It's to keep, give you a solid foundation. Look at, look at verse 12. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books. There is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. It is only in God's wisdom that we have a firm foundation. Only in God's scriptures. Only they are inerrant. Everything else we need to be aware of. When we read philosophies, when we read the, the, the philosophers of old, from Aristotle and Socrates and Plato to the more modern guys, Nietzsche, Freud, all these guys, we need to beware. How many people have we seen that go and study some philosopher and they come back and now they're all, I don't know, woke or something? And... and uh, they have, they, they do not beware those things. And they no longer follow God. But we also need to apply that to me right now. Beware of what I'm saying. Test it with God's word. Beware of what your Christian friends say. Beware of the Christian books that you read. That's not to say that you shouldn't read them. But there's just going to be more and more books forever and ever and ever, Right? Of, of making many books, there is no end. So you need to beware of them. There is much good in them. There is much uh, insight into God's wisdom. But there will also be worldly wisdom creeping in. There will be things that we need to beware of. Test everything by the scriptures. Don't waste your life by chasing all these things down. Always come back to God's word. Don't be shaken by these things. Be firmly fixed by God's word, like a nail firmly fixed into a wall. And of course, who is that shepherd at the end of chapter 11 who is giving us all this wisdom? Well, in the, in the New Testament, says that Jesus is our wisdom. It says that all scripture is God-breathed. Our shepherd is Jesus Christ. And he gave us the book of Ecclesiastes to be goaded, to be led to him, to remember him. In Proverbs chapter 8, we see that wisdom was there at the creation of the world. And if Christ is our wisdom... And we know that he is the word of God and that through him everything was created. He is the one that we need to remember in our youth. The one shepherd, Jesus Christ. 
as we read the book of Ecclesiastes and see that our lives here under the sun are vain, we need to look to him who is above the sun for purpose, for meaning, because he lasts forever. And so this is the end of the matter then in verse 13. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Why? He repeats that there's going to be judgment again. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And that's the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's a scary verse that ends with, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing. There's nothing that we can do even while we're young and we think we're invincible that will escape God's judgment. There is no use in saying, I just need to sort some things in my life out before I fully commit to serving God. When I'm a bit older, I'll do it. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you been tempted to say that? I'll sort this part of my life out just now, later. I just want to have some fun in this area before I give it up and to serve God, before I recommit to his church or his kingdom. All those secret thoughts that go on in your mind, those will be brought into judgment. Everything that we do, every time we're alone and we set our young eyes on something we shouldn't, that will be brought into judgment. Whether anyone here on this earth ever finds out about any of the terrible things that you have done or thought, that will be brought into judgment. None of us have managed to fear God and keep his commandments properly. None of us have carried out the whole duty of man. So where does that leave us? Do we just say, well, let's just eat and drink for the rest of our vain lives. Have fun while it lasts. Because we've all failed anyway. Well, no, because Solomon didn't just tell us to remember our creator while we're young, even though we failed, and that's going to be that. When God inspired Solomon to write those words, he knew that he had a plan to save us from not fulfilling our duties of man. These wise words were not given by Solomon ultimately. They were given by one shepherd, Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus do for us? He came from above the sun and entered into a vain life under the sun. He took on a body that would not last, just like ours. And he went and he took the judgment in our place for every secret thing that we have ever done if we trust in this one shepherd. And if we believe in him and trust in him, he forgives us. And one day when we get to heaven, God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. For you have feared God and kept his commandments. But of course it wasn't you, it was Jesus who feared God and kept his Father's commandments on your behalf. 
who followed his father's will even to death on a cross. So that when God, when we stand before God, he doesn't see us. He doesn't see our failed works and our failed lives, our wasted lives. He sees Jesus' life, the only one that wasn't wasted by sin. And so now as we go through the cycles of life that Ecclesiastes describes and these things that are fleeting and won't last, we know that we can enjoy them because just enjoy them for what they are because they're not going to last. And we can rejoice in all the days of our life, even in the days of darkness, because we know that's not going to last. And we're going to get to a point when we go to be with our Father in heaven, if we believe in him, where none of those things in Ecclesiastes 3, there won't be a time for any of those things. There won't be cycles anymore of light and darkness, of ups and downs. There will never be a time to die. There will never be a time to kill. There will never be a time to to, to hate, there'll never be a time to weep, there'll never be a time to break down, to cast away stones, a time to lose, a time to tear. There will never be a time for war again. We will be saved from these cycles in life. And there will only be a time for peace and worship and wonder and marvel at our God who entered into our lives under the sun so that we could live eternally with him above it. And so what is our response then? Well, we fear him and we keep his commandments as long as we're here until we can do it one day perfectly with him above the sun. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I do pray, Lord, that it would be true of all of us, that we remember our one shepherd who created us, who gave us this book of Ecclesiastes now, before it is too late. And Lord, for those of us who have remembered you and who do know you, I pray that you would encourage us as we go through times of light and times of dark, times of war and times of peace, times of mourning and times of rejoicing, that you would help us to fear you and keep your commandments through it all. That you would help us to trust your sovereignty through it all until finally our old decaying bodies are resurrected and given a new body, a resurrected body that will last forever. Lord, we just thank you for your wonderful plan. We thank you that we have the book of Ecclesiastes, but then we also have the new covenant writings that tell us of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can live in a time where this all fits together and can encourage us to enjoy our lives and to serve you with our lives while they last, here under the sun, and then eternally after, when we're above the sun with you for eternity. Lord, we pray all these things. In your name and for your glory, amen.